Welcome back to Longmont Church of the Nazarene Online. I appreciate you joining us once again. Some things I want to share with you before I begin the message today. First of all, most of you or all of you are probably aware of what's been going on around our country, the massive protests um, as a result of the death of George Floyd. And... um, Some of those have been violent, we know. Others have been peaceful, and as they should be. And certainly there's been a groundswell of support for that cause. However, uh, our law enforcement find themselves in a very difficult place right now. Uh, There are calls in some cities to defund them. Um, These are the very people right now, at this period of time, who have to stand face-to-face with protesters who... um, are protesting their very existence. So I believe it would be helpful for us as a church body and those who believe in law and law enforcement to do something to support our local police officers. And that means our state troopers, that means our county sheriffs, that means uh, the Longmont Police Department. I would encourage you, if you would, Be inclined to do so to purchase a card, maybe a thank you card, maybe just something that has words of encouragement in it. Uh, Maybe write a note, uh, a thank you, uh, and mail it to one of these police agencies to express your appreciation and support for what they do. Also a reminder that we're doing patio prayer time on Thursday evenings at 6.30. So bring your lawn chair, your bug repellent, your umbrella, uh, whatever you need to be comfortable during that time and join us out in the parking lot area or out on the front patio of the church for that prayer time. I also want to give you as much of an update as I can on our plans together for worship. Uh, The board uh, is meeting and hopefully in the next week or two we will have a plan for meeting either in the sanctuary or possibly outside the church, um, where we will discuss the options there and what we have to do to prepare for that. And, of course, we will uh, get that information out as soon as we have that solidified and let you know what's happening there. Also, for those of you who are interested in following the proceedings of District Assembly, that is Entirely online this year. It will be happening on Friday, June 26th. I've been told there will be links where people who are just interested in following the the proceedings can tune in. We haven't seen what those links are yet, but as soon as we know, we will pass them on to you. And then I want to wish all of our fathers, be they fathers, grandfathers, or great-grandfathers, a happy Father's Day. Thank you for the vital role that you play, not only in your family, but in our culture. And we have a video clip prepared for you, and I trust that you will enjoy this as we play this in your honor. I want to begin with a word of prayer uh, before we get into the message today. Join with me if you would. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you're a sovereign God, that you're in control. We thank you, Father, for 
the fact that you're patient with us, you're merciful, you're gracious. We need that. We need that in our lives. We need that as a nation. We pray for those, Lord, who are angry, who are protesting. who, And we know, Father, that uh, in this particular case, uh, the, the incident that spurred the, all of this on was unjust. And certainly we pray that justice will be done there. But, Father, we also pray that those who protest will do it in the right way. And we pray that, Lord God, as only you can, you would bring good things out of this time of difficulty that we're facing as a nation. Not only what's been going on in the streets, but the ongoing pandemic. Um, We're still dealing with that. We thank you that restrictions are being loosened in the state of Colorado. And Father, we we keep hearing from time time to time about kind of a resurgence of this disease. Lord God, I pray against that. Um, we we just don't want a, another person to become ill, to go on a respirator, or even to die from this disease. I, I pray for those scientists who are working on developing effective treatments and vaccines for this. I pray that you give them wisdom, creativity, the ability to think outside the box, maybe to share information, whatever it takes to be effective in that work that they're doing. And then, Father, um, I, I pray for our police officers today, all those who are in law enforcement, not only in our state but across the country. It's a, it's a difficult job. Uh, I'm thankful that people want to do it. And my belief is that the vast, vast majority of those who are serving in that capacity do so for the right reasons. They're good people with good hearts. And so I I pray today for your protection of them. I pray for your encouragement of them. I pray, Father, that you'll guard their hearts and minds against some of the vile language uh, that's been hurled at them, uh, disparaging remarks, and even efforts to um, displace them, to remove them from their jobs. I... I think most of us would agree that it's very needed. Law enforcement is very needed. And we we pray, Lord, that especially right here where we live, that our law enforcement officers, our local police officers, will be able to continue to serve without interruption. Then I thank you today again for your word. Lord God, uh, I pray that our ears, our eyes, of our hearts especially, will be open to see and hear what you have for us. And then, Father, respond obediently as your Holy Spirit speaks to us. And I ask all these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I have to tell you, this is not what I was originally planning to preach today. Often on days like Mother's Day and Father's Day, I will develop a sermon that's, let's say, topically relevant to that particular day. However, this time, um, I intended to continue, actually intended to continue today in the series on the life and ministry of Elijah. I just didn't want to take a break from that, but 
as I as I prepared for the, for that message, I, I was struggling. It just I couldn't seem to get on the right track. So I, I took a break. I decided to go to my computer. I looked in a file that I have called Sermon Resources and began to look at some of the things I had there. Uh, there are things I've collected over the years. Some I can use as illustrations, or I have articles on different subjects. And then topics that can be used to help build a sermon. And I came across this article by a man named Sean McAvoy. Uh, He's with Crosswalk.com. He's the faith editor. And it was dated February 5th, 2008. And it was entitled, The Corinthian Man Creed. And and I read through that and I said in my heart, this is what I'm going to preach on this week. So I've given my message that same title, the Corinthian Man Creed. I'm using the same scripture text and the same points that this man used, along with short comments that the author makes on each point. And then I flesh these points out in greater detail. In fact, um, the points that he makes are actually a very small part of the article that he shared. A lot of it had to do with his own history, his interactions with his dad, how he shared this scripture with his father who didn't know Jesus at the time and how it changed his dad's life and then impressed upon him to live up to this same scripture. So the passage we'll be looking at today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. And it says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong, do everything in love. Now, before I go on, I realize that we might have people reading different versions of the Bible out there. And your version may not use the word men in this passage. The older version, the the Bible that I use as my preaching Bible, is an older version of the NIV, uses the word men. But a newer version of the NIV that I have on a shelf in my office does not use the word men in that passage. In fact, some translations say at that point, be courageous, no mention of men. Others say, act like men. The phrase that's translated in those two ways, be be courageous or act like men, actually comes from one Greek word, andridzomai, which means to act manly. That being said, I believe that this passage of scripture is meant to be directed specifically to men. So I think it's appropriate, especially on this Father's Day. Now, that's not to say that these characteristics can't or shouldn't be seen in women. But I do think that the Apostle Paul is saying these characteristics should be evident, even obvious, in the lives of men who are followers of Jesus Christ. This passage is what we might call a step-up-to-the-plate challenge for men. And in my mind, this this passage is especially relevant right now today 
in light of all that we are currently experiencing in our world, but more specifically in our own country. The pandemic, the violent protests, demands to defund police, racial discord, political division, and the list goes on and on. All these things demand that we as men be more than just anxious observers, sitting on the sidelines somehow somehow hoping for the best. God is telling us that the men of God need to step up and act like men of God. And so that we will understand what that looks like, Paul says in in writing this passage, here are the characteristics. Here are some things that you men should be thinking about and doing. So he issues this challenge to men. First of all, be on your guard. Be ready. Be alert. Expect God to be involved. Expect Satan to attack. And let the wonder of creation still catch your eye. So be ready. Be alert. That that phrase reminds me of something written by the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 33 of his prophecy. It speaks of the watchman on the wall, and I share it with you. It's verses 1 through 7, Ezekiel chapter 33, where it says this, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, When I bring the sword against the land, and the people of the land choose one of their men, and make him their watchman, and he sees a sword coming against the land, and blows the trumpet to warn the people, then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not heed the warning, and the sword comes and takes their life, their blood will be on their own head. Since they heard the, the sound of the trumpet but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own head. If they had heeded the warning, they would, be, they would have saved themselves. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. Son of man, now speaking to the prophet, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. Men, you are watchmen on the wall. Certainly that can apply to any physical danger that would threaten our life or that of our family. The, the bulk of this passage talks about a sword coming against the land. It was a physical danger. But the last verse of the Ezekiel passage that I just read speaks of a watchman who is looking for spiritual danger. So hear the word I speak, God says to Ezekiel, and give them warning from me. God's dealing with spiritual issues. Perhaps the greatest danger we face in our present culture is spiritual. We as watchmen need to be alert to those dangers. Morally, ethically, and spiritually, our country has gone through tremendous changes in the last couple of decades. And regretfully, many of those changes have moved us farther and farther from God's holy standard. And this movement continues. We need to see these shifts for what they are and for the danger they pose to our lives and that of our families spiritually 
We must warn, we must protect those we love from those dangers. We must be watchmen on the wall. But we also need to be expect, we need to expect God to be involved. John 5:17, Jesus said, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. God is actively at work in our world. That's what Jesus is saying. And he's doing it through his Holy Spirit. See, God did not create the world, put us on it, and then step back to see what would happen. He is involved. He's at work among us. One example of that comes from the Psalms. Uh, the second Psalm, Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. And it says, Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed ones, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. And I love this line. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and he terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. God is involved in the affairs of our world. And we need to be alert to look for, to see God in every situation we encounter. I remember a Christian radio program that used to be on. Um, I don't remember what it was called. It was hosted by David and Karen Maines. And they did this thing with their children, I think it was at the dinner table, I'm not sure about that, called I Spy. The idea was that the members of the family would share how they had seen God at work in their world that day. They were looking for the involvement of God. Men, be alert to the work of God in your life, in your home, in your church, and in your neighborhood, because God is at work. And then, too, we need to expect Satan to attack. You know, it's a lot easier to deal with an attack that you're expecting, not that you'll necessarily know when, or where, or how, but at least you won't be caught sleeping. In other words, keep your guard up. We're in, we're in a war that has battles on different fronts. We can't think that because we prevailed in one area that there will be no more battles. We need to keep our spiritual antennas up all the time. And don't always think that when Satan attacks, it will be overt and recognizable. See, he is subtle, he's sneaky, he's deceptive, and frankly, he knows how to use the system. Remember, he can come even as an angel of light. He's a twister of words, a a convincer that what God said, he doesn't really mean, or that what applied then, back then, doesn't apply now, or, well, hey, that's just not true anymore. He's talked many into believing that what God calls sin is now acceptable. These are all attempts to destroy us spiritually, And we need to expect that these attacks will happen. Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ Jesus.
We need to be ready. And then let the wonder of creation still catch your eye. God reveals himself, his beauty, his power, and his love for us in the magnificence of what he's created. Don't you, don't lose sight of what God has done in the world around you. The song of a bird, the fragrance and color of a flower, the majesty of mountain peaks, the relaxing sound of a flowing stream, or a clear night sky. Maybe you see God in the rain and lightning, or a thunderstorm, or the swaying of trees when the wind blows. But don't miss the hand of God in the wonder of his creation. It reminds me of this song that many of you know well, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Then Paul tells us we need to stand firm in faith. Be unmoved because you know intimately that of which you believe. Become biblically literate. Be unmoved because you know intimately that of which you believe in. Know what you believe and be able to defend it. We are all called to be apologists at times. That requires continuing education. We need to stay current. Many of you have had jobs that required continuing education. I myself am supposed to get a certain number of hours of continuing ed each year. I have a daughter who is a nurse. I have another daughter who is a dental hygienist. They are both required to participate in continuing education every year. Why? Because they need to stay current with new discoveries, with new practices in their fields. There is always more to learn. The same is true of our lives as Christians. We have to stay current. We need to understand that there is always more to learn in God's word. No theologian, no pastor knows it all. None of us have arrived. It is an ongoing learning process. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 tells us, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of God. And then in Titus 1.9, he must... Speaking to overseers in the church at this point, but I think it applies to us men. We must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that we can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So, how do we remain unmoved in our belief? Well, we do that through biblical literacy. Questions. Do you know the Word of God? Do you have any Scripture memorized? Knowledge of Scripture can have a powerful impact in our lives. In 2 Timothy verse 
3, uh, excuse me, in chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so, how are our minds renewed and our lives transformed? It is the work of the Holy Spirit through the Holy Scripture. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. We are to be able to teach and admonish one another. Folks, to do that, men to do that, we need to know the Word of God. Romans 15.4 For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. The Scriptures were there to teach us. Men, if we are to stand firm in our faith, we must be students of God's Word. And then Paul tells us we're to be men of courage. We're to be men of courage. God is not the author of fear. So go your way boldly. In fact, in 2 Timothy, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. The worst that can happen, even death, still ends in victory and glory for Christians. In fact, Paul reflects that in Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. These have been kind of life verses for me. And he says this, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. No, fear is not from God, it is from Satan. It is one of the most effective weapons that Satan uses against us. It paralyzes us. It holds us back from being the effective witnesses in our world that God has called us to be. And God talks about our need to trust Him. He says in Joshua 1.9, as they're about to enter the land of Canaan, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God is involved. And then I take you to to the New Testament, to Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Two of the apostles have been basically run out of the temple. In fact, they were taken before the religious authorities and told not to preach the good news of Jesus again. So they go back to the believers. And the believers pray. And here's what it says. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke 
the word of God boldly. They were courageous. It was the work of the Holy Spirit in, the, in their lives that gave these men courage to continue to be the faithful witnesses that God had called them to be. And then Paul tells us, men, be strong. Physically, yes, let's take care of ourselves and present our bodies as holy. We only get one. It's a stewardship issue. We need to be aware of that. But remember that the Lord is the strength of the strong. In Ephesians 6.10 it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And 2 Corinthians 12.10, That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. As we depend on God, He shows His strength through our weaknesses. When we are weak, He is strong. Where we can't, He can. You know, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 23 and 1 Chronicles chapter 11, we find a list of what, what are called David's mighty men and, and a brief telling of their amazing exploits in battle. It's the stuff of legends. You know, we've all seen heroes on television or in movies who beat fantastic odds. It's 20 to 20 against one, and somehow they prevail. They get out of impossible situations, which in real life would never happen. That's kind of the story of David's mighty men, except those stories are true. I don't know if these men were physical specimens or just great warriors who were incredibly capable in battle, but my feeling is that in the exploits described in Scripture, The Spirit of God was with them. That's what made them strong. That's what made them courageous. And men, that's exactly where the strength we need comes from. See, the battles we face aren't physical. They're spiritual. And we must depend on the strength and power of God in order to prevail. These are battles we cannot afford to lose Because the stakes are too high. The stakes are for the souls of people. The stakes are eternal. Men, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then finally, Paul says this. He kind of wraps it all up. Here's the finishing touch. Do everything in love. Here's your motivation. Because he that doesn't Love doesn't know God. That's what the scripture tells us in 1 John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And it also tells us that the world shall know you by your love. John thirteen thirty five. By, the, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It is out of love for God, our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and our neighbors, that as we read in Acts 17:28, we live and move and have our being. Anything done with any other motivation is meaningless in God's economy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, we see that. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, 
I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. It's meaningless in God's eyes. Men, all these things we talk about, the motivation behind them is our love of God, our love of our family, our love of the members of the body of Christ, and our love of our neighbors, those that surround us in the world where we live. I want to close with this, the words of this song. Many of the men who are part of a promise keepers gathering will recognize this song. And my prayer is that it might be a challenge to all of us. It says this, Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings, to serve the King of Kings. Rise up, O men of God, his kingdom tarries long. Bring in the day of brotherhood and end the night of wrong and end the night of wrong. Rise up, O men of God, the church for you doth wait. Send forth to serve the needs of men. In Christ our strength is great. In Christ our strength is great. It just fits so well with this passage. Lift high the cross of Christ. Tread where his feet have trod. As brothers of the Son of Man, rise up, O men of God. Rise up, O men of God. Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. To serve the King of Kings. Well, God bless you, men. God bless you, fathers. I pray that you'll take this scripture to heart. And these things that I've shared with you today will characterize your lives as followers of Jesus Christ. Pray with me as we close. Father, thank you again for the truth of your word. Thank you for the way it challenges us. And I know as I prepared this message and read through that list of characteristics that Paul said should be indicative of the lives of men who follow Jesus Christ, I I, I certainly was challenged by it. I said in my heart, there's some places, Lord God, where I need your help to improve. Because the times we live in, the culture we live in, the world we live in demands men of God, who exhibit exhibit these qualities. Be on your guard. Stand firm in your faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. I pray, Father, that you'll help us to walk in your way and that we would be careful to follow you as you lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. I pray that we will soon be able to gather together again as a church body. Whether we're in the sanctuary, outside somewhere on the, on the parking lot or the church patio. Lord, um, we've missed 
being together. It's the fellowship of believers that's so important to us. It's the encouragement of Hebrews where it tells us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together because there is encouragement in that and we need that. And we know that's especially true in these days that we're living through. But thank you, Father, for the, the technology that allows us to at least share these messages online. And again, I pray that you'll bless the truth of Scripture to people's hearts today. And I ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining us today.